It's the final off day for spring training 2023 for the Cleveland Guardians. We will take a look back through the time machine today on Locked On Guardians. Some sad memories, some good memories, some wild stories. We'll have it all covered for you today on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. Over there is Justin. I am Jeff. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today, every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. And uh, we've got your team covered every day. I think I've gotten all the business out of the way. Uh, how are you feeling today, Justin? Do you have the shakes? Are you are you going through some World Baseball uh, classic recovery? Um, how does this work for you? I am. It's been a sad day. I woke up and I was like, man, there's no Guardian Spring Training game. There's no World Baseball classic game. I have to watch regular baseball. Like even even tomorrow or today when you're listening to this and the Guardians are back on, it's just regular baseball. It's not as fun. I uh, Peak baseball, it's going to go downhill the rest of the year. I hate to say it. It's going to go downhill the rest of the year. No, this is a good time. If you cannot get enough of the World Baseball Classic like me, um, you can check out Lockdown MLB after you listen to Lockdown Guardians today. Sully and I did a quick uh, live reaction or instant reaction to the end of the World Baseball Classic. I am already ready for 2026. Jeff, I hope we're doing this podcast in 2026 because I plan to record an episode with you from live from a world baseball classic game in 2026 that is my new goal i'm gonna and, make you an episode while i'm at a game and i will be like has the united states ever made the finals i've, I've already forgotten like I, I you know like i said i the minute these things are done they leave my mind if anyone enjoys them good i'm glad you enjoy them uh i'm glad that baseball is something out there that's finding fans in a variety of ways i just wish they would stop hiring old sad sacks who don't like baseball to talk about baseball uh, it's just, there's too many of them right now. And that is just a, I'm going to get on my soapbox and be like, stop hiring people who hate baseball to talk about and sell your game. It's just so annoying how many people there are who are just, man, this Amen. things change. And hey. I'm like, sorry, old guy, get someone to change your diaper. That's what we do when my son cries. <laughs> I think that's the same issue you're probably having. Um, if you don't think the trap versus Otani is great baseball, that at bat was not great baseball. You just don't need to be watching baseball. Even take take the whole World Baseball Classic aspect out of it. Just you've got the best pitcher in the game. I don't know the best pitcher, best player in the game, and another best player in the game. And they're teammates. It's just the top two players in, in the sport, and they happen to be yeah. face, on the same two team. Future Hall of Famers who have never right. gotten to face exactly. each other. Arguably, you know the great the la- the two players who I think you can make the case have held the title best baseball player in the world for like the last the two guys who've held that title over the last decade right that's, and they have so great. many playoff wins between the two of them which is great for them yeah it's, it's you know those angels teams are built uh built like champions they've been so well built with with again ownership that uh makes you proud to be a fan yes absolutely my my uh, cat even knows that this sarcasm is 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 Bodie Baloney and is complaining about it. it is. And you don't have to share those people's opinions. You can let they're just looking for a reaction. They just want you to be mad. Share 
Sheer, I saw a uh, quote earlier tonight from Connor McDavid, who said that uh, everybody and and was talking about how how can hockey do this? And uh, did you see Trout versus Otani? They were talking about it. Benji Heels' uh, comments after Mexico Japan, he said the sport of baseball won tonight. Like, there's way better quotes and and takes on this you can share. You don't have to share those putts quotes. I don't even know what putts means anymore, but I, I think they're putts. That's all I'm going to call them. An idiot, basically. Yeah. Like I said, I think they just need to get diaper change. That's what helps my son. And yeah. So before we get into kind of where I mean, we said we're going to take a look down memory lane today in today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. Um. It's kind of chilling, to be honest with you, Jeff, that today was an off day for the for Cleveland because um, today is the or March 22nd or March 21st. It was the uh, unfortunate anniversary, 30th anniversary of the tragedy on Little Lake Nelly. So if you're not familiar, which Jeff actually, you know, you could probably talk about it more because you were a little yeah. bit older at the time when it happened than I was. But this is unfortunately the 30th anniversary. And I, don't know, I, I just found it very chilling that today happened to also be an off day. You know, I so I remember I really enjoyed uh, Steve Olin as a kid, like 1992 was his final season. And, you know, he had that funky delivery, uh, but it was effective. Like you go and you look, he's I still believe in the top 10 for saves all time. And he was only a closer for two years. Uh, his worst, like, again, ERA is imperfect. But if you look at ERA plus, his worst ERA plus was a was a 107. Like he was really effective, even though he didn't miss bats and pitch to contact. We had a funky delivery and it worked. And he had like his final year was in 88 innings. 29 saves. Um, you know, he was, he was a, a really effective closer. And I was trying to remember like how that 92 team finished. Um, you know, it's, it's when I started to get interested, they were 76 and 86 that year. Uh, I think that was Lofton's second year. You had a lot of those pieces kind of coming together like Bell and Bayerga. And you saw this as a team that could potentially be fun. Like this is a team on the rise. They needed to get that bull. They needed to get pitching, which was kind of unfortunately the story of that whole decade. But you felt good about Steve Olin at the back of that bullpen. And one of the other players, um, you know, Kevin Wickander, that final year, he had a, over 44 games, a 307 ERA. It was a uh, 128 ERA plus. Like Wickander was really good. So you, you had Olin, um, Ted Power, Eric Plunk, Derek Lilliquist had all been effective. Alan Embray was a young kid. <laughs> You know, the bullpen was coming together and they went out and added Tim Cruz. Now Cruz, I never saw play cause he had been with the Dodgers, but the three of them went out on that boating trip and uh, Olin and Cruz died. And Kevin Wickander never was the same. They, they trade. I don't even like that season. He was, was just, you know, eventually they traded him hoping to give him a fresh start. Um, but you know, he had had that great, he was great in 90. Well, 90 was, was a short one, but he was really good in 91 or 92. And then it just partway through the 93 season, they, they traded him to Cincinnati, hoping to give him a fresh start. But they essentially ended up being like three, three pitchers. I mean, Kevin Wickender had to live with having been through it and, and it just shattered his career um, and his life in some regards, if you've read articles with him, but then Cruz and, um, and Steve Olin dying that day. And I mean, I don't want to seem heartless talking about just the effect on the team, but uh, you know, it, that, that bullpen that looked like a potential strength became a weakness. Steve Olin might've been the all-time closing champion. Uh, might've had, I don't know if that's not really a thing, but might've led this team in saves if he had been there. And then it's just the personal tragedy with a team that has had many tragedies in its history, unfortunately um, with Steve Olin and, and Tim Cruz passing that day. And, yeah, it, it was, I just remember like being like, what? And like, as a kid, again, um, 
when that happened it was what was it 93 right yeah so, yeah so i was i wasn't even i was 11 no yeah i was 11 so you know i, I wasn't a fully realized person and just being like how what like it, you know it didn't feel real um to a degree was and, it Bobby Ojeda yeah. on that boat too was was, was Kevin Wickander and Bobby Ojeda. I I don't remember Kevin Wickander, but I remember Bobby Ojeda. Or was Wickander on the his... beach? Wickander yeah, was, yeah. or maybe he didn't go. Wickander was tied to it, like or he was best friends. I know Bobby with... Ojeda was on the boat. And I know he Wickander survived. Well. And okay, so I know let me, he let me dig up. Uh, let me look at Wickander. He was maybe supposed to go. There was. I I remember Bobby Ojeda because I remember his career was not the same after that. He. Yeah. Uh, became a Mets broadcaster. I while well, you're looking that up. I mean, my I was only four, so my memories of it are not super clear. I, I the first time it really I remembered it, or I remember hearing about it, and just you know thinking about what had happened was after they won the '97 or '95. I'm sorry, '95 AL Central Division title, and they were raising the banner in center field. And I remember watching. You know, my I was lucky enough. My parents woke me up for it, and or had let me stay up to watch it as they did many times, which is why I'm probably talking about baseball today. Um, I remember them playing, you know, Garth Brooks, the dance. And I remember some of the guys crying and, you know, me being four, I was like, or I, I was, I'm sorry. I was six in 95. I was four when it happened, but um, the guys were crying and, you know, five-year-old me, I didn't understand emotions and why grown men were crying. And I, I didn't understand tears of joy and anything like that. But, you know, my dad had told me about what happened and, and they played that song because that was kind of the, mm. I don't, that was kind of the song those guys liked or something. And, and I don't know, it's the first time I really remember the memory, I, I guess everything that happened. And so my first memory of, of the whole boating accident had to do after the Indians had won the division title and Charles Nagy and a bunch of other guys raising that flag and uh, paying tribute to their friends who, who should have been there with yeah. them. So I had a raw Wickander. Well, he wasn't there, but like Steve Olin was the best man at his wedding. Uh, Steve Olin helped him get help with an alcohol problem. He had helped him go through um, rehab and he had, he had gone out with his wife. I, the reason I conflated it is because I knew throughout the year he was extremely troubled by it and that he was traded to help him get a fresh start. So he actually was not there that day, but was another person who was affected by it, you know, who had a big effect. Oh, hey, was the other guy uh, out there. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those things which is devastating for a lot of people. And yeah, I like I said, so I apologize for conflating, but like Wickander was ended up being um a victim in his own way just because of, you know, that was like I said, Steve Olin helped him get sober. Steve Olin then was the best man at his wedding. Uh he had just come off his best career ever, and then he lost his his friend in a, a pretty horrific way. And um eventually Kevin Wickander would go to, to prison for drug charges and other things like you could see a line that, that gets traced back to the effect of that day so i mean the loss of life and then just the overall effect um it's in my lifetime it's probably the most tragic event that's happened to the cleveland guardians slash indians yeah. at the time yeah zach meisel had a good piece for the athletic i highly recommend reading and he kind of caught up with some members of the olin family and especially the son or one of the sons and it was just a really good piece just Kind of, you know, Steve Olin's son in it, I think. Yeah, it was Steve Olin's son, Garrett, and just how he's trying to keep his dad's memory alive and everything he's gone through since then. Really highly recommend it. I think I saw on Twitter today that Athletics running a a special on their subscriptions for like a dollar. So if you're already not a subscriber, I would do it for that article. Zach did a really good job just kind of 
tracking them down and, and letting them tell their story and, and remembering uh, everything that happened that day. Just, you know, super unfortunate. It makes me think of too of Jose Fernandez, which was also yeah. an extremely bone chilling event. And yeah. So, you know, best wishes to those families as those memories uh, pop and up around a, this time. You know, bring everyone down, but we also want to remember them and, yeah um you know give them their their time it's um you know cleveland baseball has a lot of high points it has a lot of tragedies that's just one of them yeah all right well we're gonna try to change the tone here a little bit the rest of the show after after uh paying tribute to those guys and those families uh talk about prospect retrospective prospects from the 2013 rankings but first uh jeff i know you love a Good new sponsor. I do as well. Uh, I like our new sponsors. Game time. Uh, buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Let me tell you how many times in my life I have been stressed out about buying tickets. Indians, Guardians opening day, playoffs, uh, concert tickets. I'm trying to get my fiance or something. Uh, Cavs playoff tickets are going to be coming up real here real soon. Uh, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near year. They have killer deals on last minute tickets. And the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and get hyped for all the fun at the event you're going to have. Uh, they have flash deals on last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. You can buy tickets for any kind of event. And the thing I really like is they have images, too, for the seats. I like when I'm buying my ticket on an app or any any kind of uh, service, really. I want to be able to see what the view from my seat is going to look like. So they have image views of every seat. They have the lowest price guaranteed. They have event cancellation protection, all that stuff. Uh, game time is the pl- place for last minute ticket deals. Don't have to plan in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So Guardians opening day is sold out, but they're going to, you could find tickets on there. Uh, flash deals on tickets for all sports, all events near you. And using the game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. Snag tickets without the stress of game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem your code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest priced, guaranteed. All right. Uh, I think we are lucky enough to, (laughs) given how things change so rapidly on the Internet, these days and things uh, get taken down all the time and guys lose their jobs and sites go blank. I mean, mine's uh, gone. Like I, I'm missing <laughs> so much of like scouting baseball. And I looked on the internet archive um, and a lot of it still isn't there because I think it was behind a paywall, which meant that they couldn't yeah. always pop up. Yes. Yeah, that's annoying. I've lost some writing that way too. But uh, John Sickles, who, if you've, you've, I know you've heard Jeff talk about him before. We've talked about him before uh, minor league ball. Great writer. Uh, doesn't tweet about baseball as much these days, but man, one he of the godfathers, yeah, yeah. He to me, he is one of the godfathers of, of prospect writing because I remember following him early on and just all the work he did and learning from writing uh, his writing and things like that. And how he what about player evaluations? So today, while we continue our yeah, when I was machine, in college, um, from 2000 2004 to Ohio State, he was the guy, um, maybe by 2004, Callis and Baseball America did it, but he was ESPN's like only minor league writer, and that's that's where I first discovered him. Because there wasn't a whole lot for that. It was a very barren field, and it was always very exciting yeah. every time a piece of his popped up. Yeah, he was a great writer, and he's moved on to other projects since then, but I highly recommend. He's 
one of the, one of my favorite writers of all time too. Uh, 2013 prospect rankings. Those are still out there. Uh, just going through this list, Jeff. I mean, I know you've seen it. Trevor Bauer, number one, Francisco Lindor, number two. Uh, those guys both panned out. I mean, you know, Bauer's Bauer, but he still had a good career. Francisco Lindor, mm-hmm. enough said. Number three on that list, Dorsey's Paulino was so close to setting the record for most games played by a Lake County captain, and the Indians decided to promote him the next, like the next day or the next. If if, if he would have played the next series with the captains. He would have set the record for most games played all time for the franchise. And, they and in fairness, him. he was top three on every. Like that was the top three for everyone. Oh yeah, like his yeah. his ceiling was immense. I saw people like the the thing we hear every year, which is you know I was trying to think who it was last year, but it's like every year it's like the best hitting prospect since Manny Ramirez. Like that always comes up. George Valera, yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, I hate to be like, no, it was Polino before that, and it was this guy before. It, yeah. It's actually a pretty sad list, but. It is. Um, Paige, yeah. you know, we want to pay special attention to on this list. Well, I mean, he had he had Tyler Naquin and, and Cody Allen on there, those guys wanted to have yeah. good careers. But, uh, I want to say, I mean, I saw Jose Ramirez in 2012 at Lake County, but I wasn't really doing the kind of stuff John Sickles was doing. John Sickles had Jose Ramirez number nine in his 2013 list. And then listen to this description, listen to his write up. Other sources don't write can't say all of it on the air because there are some interesting words in here, which is amazing. But uh, he says he doesn't care how other sources rank him. Undersized and scouts worry, but he hits the living S out of the ball. Uh, includes, you know, a slash line there at low A, which was, you know, a really good line. Uh, controls the strike zone, makes contact, runs well, excellent defensively. Uh, same bracket, age bracket as Ronnie Rodriguez, Luigi Rodriguez, and Tony, Tony Walters. Walters. I think. Yeah, Tony yeah. Walters, who were middle in those at the time. But the last line here is what hit what hits the most. A year from now, this may look too low if he goes Altuve on us. Boy, did he do that! He didn't do it the next year, but he, he went on to do it. I would say. Yeah, and it's like I said, it, it's kind of fun if you are someone who, like I, you know, he, so he's got like Mitch Brown at four, but I, I can tell having read his stuff, like he was a big Mitch Brown mark. That was like his I guy was too. In that draft, like that was his high guy, Cody Allen. Like that's you know, putting him at six was pretty aggressive at the time. It's kind of funny seeing Ronnie Rodriguez. Like I immediately went, oh crud. Like there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of Ronnie Rodriguez to Oscar Gonzalez. Oh wow, I didn't think about that. You're right. But isn't there like the speed, the power, the arm? Oscar's got more power that he has used in game, but physical tool-wise and approach at the plate, those two are very similar. Well, I mean, Ronnie doesn't have Oscar size, but that, that, that's not really yes. a hint right there. But you're right. No, there's there's a very similar feel mm-hmm. to that profile. It's overly aggressive, but uh, yeah, Os- Oscar, I guess, is the good outcome of Ronnie Rodriguez. So unfortunate for him. For Santander oh. down here at 19 when he was only 17 years old. Like, yeah, that that's a heck of a, a, a clip right there for yeah. sure. Yeah, I really like Don. Jesus Aguilar is in there. Everybody was talking about him because he was hitting for power, but yeah. uh, he also didn't think uh, Aguilar was going to be a long-term solution. He had enough pop to be useful role player, and that's that's kind of what he's gone on to be, to be honest with you. Uh, Danny, he pointed out Danny Salazar, number 11, his checkered health history. How about this one? Scott Barnes, man. I had a I lot of I like Scott Barnes, Barnes, too. I saw that as like, man, yeah. I've forgotten about Scott Barnes. Yeah, I uh, what was that? Who was that the trade with? Uh, was that Ryan Garko? That the Ryan Garko um, trade? I'm not trying to remember, Scott. 
He's got CeCe Lee in there and then known as Chen Lee as a relief option at 14. Kieran Lovegrove at 15, who, you know, Kieran Lovegrove went on to. Yeah, Ryan Garko, you are 100% correct. Wow. Yeah. Never should have traded Ryan Garko. I was, before I was president of the Grady, well, I was, I was president of the Grady Sizemore fan club then. I was also president of the Ryan Garko fan club too. Yeah, and, right. And, I mean, I was, I called him Mini Hafner at the time. Like, I, yeah. I he's going to, and there, there might not be a recent Cleveland Guardians player who fell apart quicker than Ryan Garko like that that collapse is kind of crazy and this is funny so if you click on Ryan Garko uh like his his uh a he's a he has a freak he must have someone who wrote his uh Wikipedia because his Wikipedia is absolutely his Wikipedia is bigger than now but no like someone has like gone super detailed with this like season by season like he's got more data in his Wikipedia profile than like Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor combined so it was me. I wrote that. It no, wasn't okay. you. But uh, it <laughs> even mentions like John. Back in the day, it mentions John Sickles. Garko was seen by former ESPN reporter John Sickles as a good hitter who hit to all parts of the field, but with poor defensive instincts. Um, so this, this is one of the most. This might be the most ridiculous <laughs> baseball profile I've ever seen. On uh, like he must write. And even Garko resides in Scottsdale, Arizona, with his spouse Christy, whom he met in 2004. They were on their honeymoon. When Garko found out the Giants had made him a free agent after 2009. He's a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Like I'm not going to say that Ryan Garko wrote his Wikipedia, <laughs> but I am going to say there is a good chance that Ryan Garko wrote his Wikipedia. Yeah, he, he might have. I, I could have written. I was a big Garko fan. I don't think I know. But I, I mean, I mean, again, just the we're going really far off. But eight twenty nine OPS, eight forty two OPS, seven fifty, seven sixty five, one twenty, sixty eight, negative twenty. He's only in his late twenties. It is a weird. I don't know what happened there. Well, he was one of the few, despite his line, was one of the few successful Stanford oh. hitters at the time. You ready for this? Maybe we should just make this the Ryan Garka one. Awards and achievements listed at the bottom. Indians minor league player of the year. Do you know who preceded him and who succeeded him? Okay. What year is that? Tell me. I can 2004. 2003. Travis Hafner was prior to him. Uh, uh, Michael Aubrey. Uh, you're, you're breaking my heart here. Corey Smith, please don't tell me it's Corey Smith. Okay, well, that's good. I actually feel it's, good about it's, that. It's Grady, Grady Sizemore. Oh, come on. 2002 or 2003? 2003. Okay. Which means you'll never you'll never get who 2004 is, because I had completely I forgotten not. about this player. Just Ryan Mulhern. Ah, uh, the famous string of... there was So there was Ryan Mulhern, there was Ryan Garko, and there was Ryan Galeski, the, the trio of Ryan power hitters that... Ryan Garko was the in only fairness. One really... Ryan Mulhern that year crossed double uh, A and high A, hit three fifteen with a three ninety on base and a six forty slugging with thirty two home runs at age twenty four. It was a heck of a year. Uh, well, let's him. let's we've we've gone further back in time than we intended to here. Yeah. So let's let's get the ship righted back to two thousand thirteen in just a moment here after we uh, after we talk about our friends over at FanDuel. That's right. Our good friends over at FanDuel. You know them, you love them. They're an official sponsor of uh, the MLB and the NBA. But right now, the tournament is heating up. It's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scores. 
and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and Major League Baseball. All right. Any any other standouts from this list to you? Because, I mean, we should probably get back uh, on track. We, you know, we said I, we're going to go back in time 10 years, not 2003. Uh, I mean, we got we got, a, we got a Trey Haley. We got a Devon McClure. He talks about Tim Fedoroff having a chance. That's his, that's his sleeper. I really like yeah. him. Who, who are the guys wash that you time were, in there? Oh, um, I could I could talk a long time. Let me tell you, if we if you want to talk about guys that, that you were high on, like not just you know John Sickles list obviously is really good. Elvis Arajo is in there. I I was a big Elvis Arajo guy for sure. Thought he was going to be this this front line left handed starter. Um, they had Dylan Howard in there, who his story was not good. We probably don't need to get into his story. It's bad. Yeah. He's got, you know, Giovanni Urshel on the list, who obviously things worked out for him. But, I mean, a couple of guys on his other list that I was, I'll tell you, I was high on that did not work out. We always talk about the guys like, you know, Jose Ramirez. Yes. And I saw him in 2012 in Lake County, and I was like, yeah, this this guy, did I think he was getting the MVP? No, no, I didn't. No one did. But everybody who saw him in 2012 will tell you how good they thought he was going to be. But we can tell you about, you know, guys like that all day. But the guys I was high on from that, from his list here, I can tell you that year, um, I was a big Austin Adams guy. That was before I, that might've been after his shoulder injury. I can't remember. He had a, he had a pretty bad shoulder issue. He was a pretty good prospect until then. Uh, so other guys in that list. They turned. He was, he was not a pitcher. Yeah. When he drafted him. Um, I, I was way too overhyped on Devon McClure. You know, he was a good athlete and then going back to Arkansas to play football. Didn't really work out for him. Yeah. They, TJ both, House, uh, McClure and Howard were Arkansas commits. They stopped after those two. Yeah. Yeah, McClure. McClure did go back to Ar- Ar- Arkansas to play, so but he played receiver instead of uh, mm-hmm. instead of baseball. TJ House ended up having a good career. Uh, he was uh, know, pitching in my neck of the woods in independent baseball like two years ago. Yeah, the Milkman. I remember uh, Jordan. Jordan Smith is on this list. Coach. I was high on Jordan Smith. Uh, the, the guy for himself. me is Dylan Baker on that list. I, I he's the only one who I think ever cracked my top ten. I mean, he, he made the forty man roster for a little bit. Yeah, he, you know, he was kind of, you thought he was going to be maybe some Salazar-esque, but it just, the health was never there. I also really like, uh, feel, I don't know if I really liked, but I was very intrigued by uh, Felix Sterling. He was supposed to Can be I tell guy. you, can I tell you a quick story about Felix Sterling? Yeah. I have a great story. So I think it was, 20, it was 2012 was his first year in Lake County. Um, and he is, I can't remember where Felix Sterling is from. He is from one of the Latin countries. I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, he is from a country where it's very warm. And his first day in um, Lake County, it was like media day or what it was close to when they were moving in for the first time into Lake County, wherever they were living. Uh, poor guy didn't have a winter coat, did not know what he was in store for. Uh, one of the players, girlfriends was nice enough to, at the time, was nice enough to go and get him a winter coat. But that poor man showed up to Lake County in, in April of 2012 and, and, was not prepared for for Lake County living at that time. Didn't have a, a winter coat, but uh, also came back in 2013 with a lot of lost weight. Was never never pitched really good, but uh, he came back the next year and shed those pounds and really had to get a smaller coat. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But uh, just a story that sticks out in my mind from that time. And I could talk for a long time about Levon Washington. I was I was convinced Wash Time was going to be the uh, next great Indian fleet guy. Our health yeah. guy, you know, that's a lot of health guys on the list. So the other fun thing to do if we're looking back then is look at the 2013 draft, the last time this team picked in the top 10. Uh, and it's an interesting draft because 
they did not have a comp pick or a second round pick, which they normally would have because one went for Bourne and one went for Swisher. And I will say I was sitting there watching this draft because um, I covered it in depth and there was a lot of interesting moments. One was, was Dice Kime because no one really had him going there. I was kind of surprised. Um, I think it was a little bit under slot. And then I just remember getting into it with uh, with someone that I wrote with at the time because he's like, there's no way that they can sign Adam Pletko. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they saved a crap ton of money. It'll get done. Because uh, those who don't know, Pletko was the, after, uh, he was the third starter uh, with Bauer and Cole. He was the third guy. He was the heir apparent for that. Wasn't he the Friday starter, though, at that time? Or No, he after, wasn't the Friday. He, he was became the, the Friday starter eventually when they yes, both were gone. Yeah, that final yeah. year. But, like, there were people when he came in that thought, like, he might be the best of the grouping at one point in time. Like, he just didn't develop. Um, he kind of stayed who he was. But there, didn't there he was have definitely, a shoulder injury, too? I think so. I mean, UCLA tends to, to kind of run rough on guys. A lot of guys end up with shoulder injuries. Um, and then this was also one kind of infamous because Ross Kivett, decided to not sign and go back for a senior year, which then meant they couldn't sign Heath Quinn in the 12th round, who would later go on to become a third round pick. Never made to the big leagues, but he also had like just fun stories like Signar Loopstock, where everyone loved the name Francis backwards. Silento Siles was like maybe the fastest guy in the system. Um, Mark Payton has bounced around for a bit. They drafted what a pair of brothers. Um, Cole Solsters bounced around Gary think as a coach will crow is pitching for the um the pirates it was a a odd draft um i've got a few random odds and ends but the big thing really is uh you know they they took kyle crockett and that utterly failed he was supposed to get there quickly and then it's a a whole lot of nothing he had a good short run like there was a brief period where kyle crockett was a good major it was short that not good enough for being a fourth round pick, but it, I just it was, remember it was his nickname. And I don't know, was it, if it is a real nickname or one that was just amongst my friends, I think it was just amongst my friends calling him the fetus when he came up because he was so <laughs> young and he looked very young. God, no, no I, I mean, that, went big rock pot. Yeah, I, I think it was. So I think that was just us uh, calling him that. So maybe <laughs> I should apologize for putting that on. Black. But yeah, that first year, a 1.08 ERA over 30 innings. The problem is the rest of his career only pitched 44 more innings and was really ineffective. Um, so Injuries. he came out, he came out strong and then didn't have the yeah. will to live. Um, um, let me ask you real quick. Is this because the guardian or the Indians at the time got Clint for, got Adam, uh, Adam, or Adam, I had to say that Adam Miller. That's another one we could talk about. Andrew Miller for Clint Frazier. Does that count as is this draft successful? Is this a good draft for you because they got Andrew Miller? Although, because without Andrew Miller, this draft draft sucks. Let's be honest. Yeah, no. I, well, and that's the thing. Like, I this was my last year covering the draft before I became a national guy. So the next year, I'd get the job at Scout, and I just remember covering this one pretty in depth that year. I was writing for like for IBI. I was also writing for Chris Crawford at MLB Draft something or other. And like every week I had to do like a preview uh, for them and a, like a rundown. So every weekend I was writing like overly long about how guys are succeeding or failing. So like I started to get into, that's why that year I was the high guy in Aaron judge at 17. Now um, I also, you know, still wasn't high enough. I also had some complete busts up that high. I'd have to go look, um, you know, I was big on Renfro going into that year as he finally had a bust out, but it was, ended up being a pretty good draft. Now one can argue the big talk of the time was that Cleveland would take uh, Colin Moran. I would never believed it because that was like the old approach. I was on Frazier the whole time and that's who they took. 
But this top 10, I mean, Trey Ball went to Boston and was probably the first, the worst first rounder. Colin Rand for his 500 games has a negative war. Cole Stewart struggled. Mark Appel just got cut. Uh, yeah. Hunter Dozier has got a negative war. Dom Smith, Phil Bickford didn't sign. DJ Peterson never made it. It's kind of an ugly draft. Uh, you know, a few guys broke through, like J.P. Crawford, Tim Anderson, Aaron Judge. You know, we talked about Michael Lorenzen, Sean Manea, some nice kind of later picks. But it is Rob Kaminsky. I, I definitely had Kaminsky ahead of Aaron Judge. There we go. There, There's the guy I can think of. But um, it was an odd draft. For Cleveland, I think it's a bomb. Like, uh, you, you, you can't... The, the front office gets credit for making that trade, but overall, they had 2.3 war with the fifth overall pick. That That's a bomb. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, Kyle Crockett ends up being the guest, the best guy. And uh, Cole Solcer's got a higher war than anybody on there, which is actually yes. pretty amazing. Ben I Heller had a lot of higher hopes. I still have hope for Ben Heller. I do. He's still out there pitching. I have hope for him. I mean, who thought he's Thomas Pannone would be fifth on that list? He's now over. Yeah, I have a lot of hope for him too. I mean, I liked him a lot too. Yeah, he's in great. He was, I mean, he's one of the smartest pitchers I interviewed in the minors. I remember, remember Liebs being like he wanted him to talk to Glavin. He was tempted to text Glavin and and wow, because he thought they would get along. Can I drive you crazy with one more connection here? Yeah, and then I got just two, or I got like three random funny things after that. No, go ahead. Go. I'll save mine for the end okay. of the show. We're getting- so uh, just three guys I wanted to mention just because of random funniness that set out. One, Paul Young in the 21st round out of Central Alabama Community College. Um, I don't know why he didn't sign uh, because, I mean, I think he must have transferred to Miss. No, he started at Mississippi State, then went there. So Cleveland drafts him in uh, 2013. No, then he did go to Mississippi State. So he pitched, didn't actually pitch that much. Only had 12 games the next two years. Goes to New York. He at least gets up to double A as an undrafted uh, free agent. So probably still should have signed, which is kind of interesting. You don't see a lot of undrafted guys. Then we have Dustin Cook, who 2012, he's a 30th rounder by the Mets, a 34th rounder by the Indians in 2013, a 28th rounder by Cincy in 2014, a 36th rounder in 2015, by the New York Yankees, uh, ended up pitching uh, six, or I'm sorry, yeah, 10 games. Drafted four times, played 10 games in the minors. You'd think that huh. there was a little bit more there. And then the final pick that year, Dan Palenin. And I'd be kind of curious to see, find out more on this story. Kind of fascinating because he went to Friends University, which the uh, only pro players that they have produced were George Ayton in 1912 and Bill McGill in 1907. And they don't really have anyone in the database. Uh, since Dan Palenin, there's there's Rob Lane, Pat Gonzalez, Sean Cruz, and Austin Eggleston. It's okay. I don't know who they are either. Um, none of them have primary franchises listed. So it's not a big college, but I say this because Dan Palenin got drafted out of high school. He has a perfect game page. Drafted in 2013, barely played in 2017 at Friends College uh, in Wichita, Kansas. So it's just kind of a random, like, huh. Where was he the other two years? Why does it a barely played junior year? Uh, I, and, and that's where I always feel bad. So this is my soapbox moment. If you get a chance to sign, probably sign or stay at a college. Don't bounce around. That bounce around game, I see a lot of kids get involved in it. I've seen a lot of kids who had first round hype who end up being day three seniors um, because, oh, I didn't get my playing time right away. I'm going to go to this JUCO, then go to this school. And like in four five years, they'll play for six different programs somehow and i don't even know how it works but you either got to take the money and run or 
make sure that you're going to a stable program and you're going to get an opportunity. Be very smart in your decision. I have never seen someone who is successful after going to like four different schools. Even the transfer portal era, I guess we'll test that a little bit. Um, do you know why guys don't make it from Friends College, Jeff? I do not. <laughs> they spent too much time hanging out in Central Park. Ooh. Ooh, <laughs> got a coffee problem. They've all got that haircut. They're all wearing Rachel's, and it just makes their teammates not trust them. <laughs> Too busy uh, moving furniture and yelling pivot yeah. at each other. They, they uh, my final, break. they were on. Yeah, he took a, took a break. He was on a break he from playing. Baseball. That's what happened those first two years. He was on a break. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know who? If you if you know Dan Plenin, get us in touch with him. We'll have him on the show. Just talk about this yeah. and uh, how he's good at making coffee and and being a uh, bad waiter. A waiter. Yeah. Again, um, anyone who was drafted, we would love to have a story. So we'll we'll take anyone. Come yeah. on for a segment or or two, and we can discuss it. Jeff, you thought we were going to get out of here without one last mention of the World Baseball Classic. You were wrong. The 2013 draft, Jeff Sicknarf Loopstock. He was on Team Netherlands this year. Did he have any stolen bases this year? He was kind of fast, right? He could steal things. He was not. He had good speed for a catcher, right? (laughs) He didn't have good instincts. Okay. I just remember him being a a good good athlete. Good athlete, good arm. Bad reads. He was interesting. Everyone loved that name. Everyone (laughs) loved that name. He was he was the all name guy. He was the Itchy Burts of his draft class. Very sad. <laughs> itchy Burts did not get drafted. Um, but uh, that's all for today. We are we got one more show before uh, before I, I have my spring break. So I'm going to be refreshed next week. So look forward to that. Uh, we will be back talking baseball in about 24 hours. So rate and review, download daily. It helps. Uh, make sure you are watching on YouTube and you know, uh, leave a like I said, leave that review. Thank you all for being part of the Lockdown Guardians team and go, go, Guardians, go.